It's Maddie and Patty, coast to coast. Welcome to the Cleveland Sports Hour. We are too self-aware, but uh, oh, I'm sorry, Maddie. I just I'm yeah, sorry. I'm sitting right here, buddy. <laughs> Jeez, what happens when I when I don't finish the uh, the the intro script? I, I, you re- you don't have it down pat yet? Yeah, you, you. I read what's in that prompter, Maddie. <laughs> I'm Pat McManaman <laughs> from Brooklyn. What's Pat McManaman? <laughs> In San Francisco, it's Ben Younger. Say hello, Maddie. Hey, Patty. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Cleveland Sports Hour. We are two self-aware but unapologetic homers who spend far too much time watching, reading, and thinking about the Cavs, the Browns, and the Tribe. But today, it's all about the Tribe. Tribe time. So, tribe time, Maddie. So if you like the informed, intelligent Cleveland fans' perspective, you've come to the right place. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. We're going homery today, Patty. Oh, opening week, Maddie. You know, I, I I felt remiss. I felt remiss. We, you know, opening day was coming up, but we had so much to bitch about with the Cavs that you know we didn't give them the 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 full due that they deserved. Uh, so consider this week. You know, it, 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 let's consider this our opening week podcast, as opposed to our season preview. That's fair. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? So. We're going to focus almost entirely on the, on the tribe today. And, I mean, the thing to me, Maddie, about opening week, I don't know, it's more so than, uh, uh, like, the home opener for Browns or even the Cavs. Like, opening week is all about nostalgia to me. Yes. The baseball it's, is all about nostalgia, buddy. Absolutely. But, like, just also from my childhood, I, I guess, I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, it was the first game I really cared about. I remember, like, paying attention to the tribe. Uh, well, that's not true. The Cavs were the team that I cared about. But like, I just remember like trying to listen to the games in the radio and uh, the last game of Municipal Stadium. Uh, I got. I think it was the second to last game. Uh, Did you used to go to opening day? No. Uh, but once not, but 1994, when Jacobs Field opened, I went to every opening day for like five straight years, even like going, you know, coming home from college for opening day. Uh, and I was there on 94 on opening day when I think we were playing the Texas Rangers. It was the, you know, the inaugural game of Jacobs Field. And, you know, we had this young outfielder named Manny Ramirez and third baseman Jim Tomey, a bunch of guys you didn't know anything about. And we came back and won, I think, in the bottom of the ninth with, like, a base hit from uh, Kirby. Wayne Kirby? Wayne Kirby. Is it Wayne Kirby? What was his brother's name? Because he, he was the running back. Terry, Terry, Terry Kirby. Kirby. <laughs> right. So, like, I, I, opening week always brings these memories back to me. And so the other night, Maddie, before the season opened, I was watching Major League. Mm. And I got to such intense nostalgia just seeing the exterior of the Gate D entrance of the Municipal Stadium. <laughs> mm. <laughs> just a shot of that big painted D. Like, oh, yeah. Trash bin. <laughs> we painted the gate sign on a brick surface. <laughs> that, was, that was that fucking stadium. It was so goddamn Cleveland. I loved it. And, I miss it a little. Oh, a little. I miss it a lot. I, you know, I, it's stupid to say, but, like, I guess you get this way and get older, but, like, I even miss the obstructive views of the goddamn <laughs> uh, uh, steel beams, the structural support beams. Uh, that stadium sucked. It was the worst. It was so bad for baseball. But... Uh, I don't know. I, it's like, like I said, opening day memories always come back to me because you, you, I feel like you never know when a team's going to capture your heart going into a baseball season, except you know for most of our childhood before the Indians got good. But ever since then, it's sort of been kind of crazy up in the air with a few lean years in between. Uh, we had we had that that surprising uh, Indians team from 2013, mm-hmm. uh, Terry Francona's first season. It didn't expect us to go to the playoffs. We made it there. It was exciting. It felt good. 
Uh, you know, I never thought I'd ever love a tribe team more than the 1995 powerhouse. Yeah. Uh, and for most of 1997, that remained to be, that remained true. Yeah. But then the high socks happened. That was and awesome. Then a it? million crazy shit happened. That team is, you know, by far and away my favorite tribe team. Is it really? Um, more yeah. than 95? More than 95. Like, cause 95, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I feel like there was enough time between that and, and the last time I had my heart broken as, as a Browns fan. It was the first time I cared about the Indians. I thought, you know, well, the Indians need to like, it's, I just didn't, I didn't, it's like you didn't appreciate it. Mm. You know, I, I, it was just dumb of me. I was a kid, so, you know, I didn't appreciate it at the time. 95 but, still the tops for me, but that, the, uh, the 07 team? Oh, man. What do you mean? Oh, 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 oh with uh, uh, Dennis Martinez, Pronk. Dennis Victor Martinez. God damn it, Dennis Martinez. Old Patty, you are losing it. Oh, man, McManaman. You know, did you ever make Bitmojis? You ever know what that Bitmoji thing is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to make my Bitmoji the other day, and there's only an option between, like, blonde hair or gray hair. There's, there's, no, there's no streaks of gray. No, no you got to go, you gotta go no gray, gray. I had to make the exact decision eventually. I was like, ah, fuck, I got it. It's, yeah, I'm the gray-haired guy. Fuck. Yeah. <sighs> Anyway, Maddie, this is all a, a very long way and a very traditional patty, patty way. Mm-hmm. There's, o- there's only one way with you. Oh, only one way with me. I was saying we're going to start uh, this podcast off with a, a, a deep dose of nostalgia. Because uh, to me, that's, that's, that's the only way to start a baseball season. I love um, it. And, then, and, then, you know, and, and you know, speaking of the opening music we had there, I think, I think it's important to make some major league comparisons. Always uh, fun. I, I think it's always an important exercise. Um, and then, and then we'll dig deep into this lineup, the staff, and, and and particularly what they've shown us over opening week uh, so far. In addition to, you know, your uh, uh, cogent uh, season preview comments from last week. Um, so, so uh, let me finish my spiel, Maddie, and then I will let you talk. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. So, maybe you know, <laughs> we'll have to see. Uh, but to me, uh, the reason to me, sports come down to single moments, not so much single seasons. What makes it happen is the moments, good or bad. It's what makes you a fan. It keeps you going through lean years and the heartbreak. It's, it's, those, it's those perfect moments of pure, unadulterated joy that make it all worthwhile. Um, so I got thinking about this the other day because I was uh, uh, texting with uh, our favorite troll, Scooter. Ugh. Yeah, the, uh, the fake Cleveland fan, uh, sports fan. Uh, he tries to pretend that he isn't like the Cavs, but he actually cares about the Indians and Tribe, but we all know better. The Indians um, and the Browns. What did I just say? Indians in the tribe? Yes, you did, sir. <laughs> Daddy, I've been having a long couple of weeks. Yeah, it's okay. I, I, for, I forgive you. I, I, wish, I wish I could even say I was drunk, but <laughs> I am not. I am not. I, I mean, if I'm going to talk like this, I might as well break out the scotch. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, you know, he's, he's trolling me, trying to pretend that he, has, he didn't even hear about LeBron's uh, buzzer beater against the Bulls in the playoffs last year. <laughs> I don't know. That's possible. He didn't know that we elected senators for a long time, so <laughs> stuff can miss can miss him. I guess, but EO, you, know, uh, you don't expect him to know to be worldly and to know things about the world. That's true. <laughs> but you do expect him to have heard about I don't know back to back buzzer beaters and in, in back to back playoff games. That's true. I mean, I, just if you're paying attention casually as a sports fan, a sports you would have fan. heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, agree. Uh, yeah, so he's pretending to, you know, but then he tries to like nag me that we didn't do a, like real tribe playoff preview or tribe season preview, 
and uh, you know, suggesting that I wasn't, I wasn't as big, a, I wasn't big enough of a Tribe fan. So I started peppering him on, like, well, what are your moments? Like, the, what to me was important about that LeBron shot was that, you know, it'll be heartbreaking if we never win at all in LeBron's tenure. But at least I got that fucking moment where he mm-hmm. hit that shot, and I lost my fucking mind. Like against the goddamn Bulls who broke our hearts just one game earlier, and we were on the brinks. Like we don't, we, we, he doesn't make that shot. We're done. Yeah, it's over. Agreed. It's over. No magical ride in the playoffs. Not all that fun. The podcast, Maddie. The podcast. The whole fucking podcast. The whole fucking damn moment. Yeah. If we were not going to be doing this if we were eliminated from the playoffs to the Bulls. Nope. So I asked, I asked Scooter, and this is where I want to, I'm going to ask the same question to you, Maddie, and that's going to start our conversation. I asked Maddie, I'm oh, sorry, <laughs> God damn it. I asked Scooter, I asked Scooter, what was his favorite tribe moment of all time? You know, the, the, that, that quintessential moment where you lose your shit and it's the, it's the best thing. It's the first thing you think about. You think about, God damn it, that was the best. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What, I mean, did you picked? No, I'm, I'm desperate to know, though. Um, it's going to be so bad, I hope. I want it to be terrible. Sandy Alomar hitting, uh, I believe it was the game rating home run. The homer? Oh, that's a good no, one. No, in the All-Star game. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I repeat. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go in the ninety-seven. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So did I. When he said Teddy Miller's home run in the All Star game, I was like, wait, Scott, are you picking a fucking exhibition game? <laughs> oh God, is your all-time prime moment? He delivers. I'll tell I mean, you what. I mean, I mean, Maddie, that's not even the all-time Sandy Alomar moment. No, as no, you pointed I- out. <laughs> I have another Sandy Alomar moment that's not quite in the vein of what you're talking about, but it's one of my all-time favorite moments, and it's not that. Oh, my God. I mean, the moment – Maddie, you tell me the moment that you were first thinking about when I, when I, was, when I was telling this to you. The, uh, it's, it was 97, right? It's the same year, yeah. which is also in the – it's also the All-Star game. I mean, Scott was at that All-Star game, I happen to know. Yes. Because uh, it was and in I, Cleveland. So I, I, get, I get that. I was going to say, I gave him that credit in the text. I said, you know, I, I, I grant you the presence of being there elevates it. Uh, so I, I do get that. He gets a little bit of a, of a, I don't know if it's a pass, but I don't know, some, what do some you get? Credit. Some credit. Some uh, credit, or not credit, what's the word? It's an excuse. It's an excuse. For, yeah. for, for, but go ahead. Uh, 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 what do you remember the, about the moment? But the big home run, and, and, and fill in my gaps if I'm wrong, but he hit, it was the first round series that year, which was against the Yankees. Yep. Yep. And I think he hit a walk-off, as I recall, off Mariona Rivera, which might have been not, – am I not, wrong about that? Not quite. Very close. And, and, and it might as well have been a walk-off. It was the two outs, nobody on, eighth inning, game four of a five-game series. We were down two games to one. The Yankees had a two-to-one lead, and they brought Mariona Rivera out in the mound and, and out for a long save. That's right. Mario fucking Rivera, untouchable, like monster dude, right? Yep. You know, legend in the making. Uh, and Sadie Alomar just crushes a solo homer to tie the game. And then the ninth, we win it on an Omar Vizquel single. But like that home run, like it. it that was a great thought, one. That would be a good choice. That, exactly. But it was, my man was like, that, that wasn't your favorite moment? I mean, your favorite Sandy Alomar moment? What, what, what was your favorite Sandy Alomar moment? Because beyond that. Oh, so my favorite Sandy Alomar moment isn't really winning, but I just love it so much yep. is, and I just looked this up beforehand so I could jog my memory. It was 1992 
Nice. And so the tribe was still bad. Right. Starting to get a little bit better because we'd made the Joe Carter trade. So we had Alomar and Bayerga. And mm-hmm. I don't think, I can't remember if Bell had started to play in the majors or not at that point, but we were, it was turning a little bit. Right. And um, we're playing the Tigers. And I think the Tigers pitcher was John Doherty, who n- nobody should remember, but plunked Alomar and he bolted out to the mound. And Sandy's huge, right? He's like <laughs> six, I don't know what he is, six, four, six, five, big dude. And, uh, sprinting out to the mound and it's already exciting because charging the mound is so exciting it's a part yeah. of the game that's sort of gone now that's a little too yeah. bad from my perspective but i loved it Great. supercharged up i was like oh my god it's happening he gets i don't know 10 feet from the mound and the pitcher sort of dropped his glove and is sitting there with his knees bent waiting for him mm-hmm. and alomar at a full sprint oh, that's right. jumps in the air <laughs> leg fully extended and drop kicks him right in the stomach it was unbelievable it was so incredible. And if you Google it, if you do a Google image search for Sandy Alomar Jr. dropkick, you'll get an image of it. It's awesome. It was the front page of the paper the next day. I cut it out. I still have it in a scrapbook somewhere. It's so good. And I remember the Tigers fans were so mad. They were like, he, the people were talking about how he was should get expelled from the league, that it was such a crazy thing. Uh, it was awesome. And a super oh, athletic yeah. move by him, too. A drop kick. That's a clip of a double dragon video game. Yeah, it was. It was the the image. If you when you do the Google image search, is well worth it because he's. Oh, it's yeah. just what. I'm just what I right. described. It, uh, so great. That's my favorite Sandy Alomar moment. Not not quite in the vein of what you're talking about because I didn't just lose my mind and cheer, but. Uh, it's, it's, it was an awesome athletic display and an exciting moment anytime somebody charges the mound. Agreed. Agreed. All right, Maddie. Enough. Enough uh, dumping on Scooter. Uh, uh, what, so, what, what's your what's your favorite try moment of all time? So, I think it is in '95, and I'm doing this off mm-hmm. the top of my head, so I might have some details wrong, but that's some, one of the fun parts about nostalgia. I, exactly. Um, in the Mariners series, and yes. I'm going to forget what game it is, but I think it's when we're going back, and it was the. I'm pretty sure it was a, a Randy Johnson wild pitch that scored two runs, and it's the one that Lofton came around from second base and scored mm-hmm. on the wild pitch. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? I, and I yeah. think that's yeah. the one that really put that game and maybe the series, because I think that might have been game six of the series, maybe put the series out of reach too. Maddie, um, Maddie, here we go. Here we go. It gets away. Heading home is Amaro. To third is Lofton. They have no play. And now here comes Lofton all the way, and he scores. stopped that's yeah oh, that's pretty awesome i love that one i loved kenny i mean that 95 team was my favorite team there are a bunch of moments from that year yeah that oh, was Matt, a year Matt, where Matt, 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 watch watching that video by the way it looks just like that scene in major league yes. right and, and yes. the, 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 the the medley of uh, uh, the tribe on the warpath and, yep. and the, the the double steal uh, you know one guy slides and he's like right behind him like he's yep. right behind the guy like that <laughs> It's evocative of that, and it's also evocative, all clearly, of Willie Mays Hayes coming home from second on the bunt, too, right? It's got a little yeah, bit of both yeah. of those Oh, things. absolutely. Absolutely. So I love – I mean, I love that team. So That's my favorite team of all time. We had that question over the summer because uh, that people yeah. – a lot of our friends especially really loved last year's Cavs team, as, as did I and do I. Yeah, me too. My favorite team of all time is that 95 team. And there were so many yeah. – so I think that's the moment I remember most from those playoffs. The uh, – I don't know if you remember, Tony Pena hit a, a walk-off home run in game one against Boston. 
Red Sox, yes, I do. That was fantastic. That was pretty awesome. But that whole year for me was, I feel like every big closer in the league, we had a walk-off home run against. Like Manny hit one way up into the bleachers at Jacobs Field yeah. off Dennis Eckersley, where Dennis Eckersley just mouths, wow, wow. The mound. <laughs> Somebody tagged Troy Percival, and Troy Percival was really good that year. I want to say Tommy because Tommy just owned Percival generally. That sounds about right. I, I could have been I Bell too. I think I, it was the, that was the summer I I did like a month study abroad in Japan. I want to say maybe it was yeah. six. I can't remember. But like I remember coming back from like that trip and immediately going to a tribe game that went down to the you know Bob in the ninth and Eddie Murray had a walk off home run. Like Eddie like Murray was on that team. Yeah, oh, I, that, I, that team is so good. So I have I have an unusual top tribe moment. Um, because to me, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a great team. It was a frustrating team or it was, it should have been a better team. It was a disappointing team and a disappointing end. But again, this is the power of being there. And that's where I sort of give oh, for sure. for a little bit of credit. Uh, for me, it was, uh, game three, division one, 96 against the Orioles. Oh, we, we dropped the first two to Baltimore and it was just deadly. It was just depressing. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. We, it was heartbreaking. I went to that game. Uh, with my dad, upper, you know, upper seat, uh, sorry, the bleachers, you know, upper deck, bleachers, upper deck, but the upper deck, basically. Uh, I believe it was the, yeah, um, right field, right field, uh, upper deck. And, uh, you know, game's tied, I think, 4-4, four, four, bottom of the eighth. It's been tight, and obviously we've got nothing going right for us a little bit. Uh, we must have given, I don't know if we gave up the lead or not, but we, we scramble the bases load, two outs, and our bell comes to the plate. And they have a pitching change. They bring out Armando Benitez. Oh, yes. Back when no one knew what he was, except that he threw 101 miles an hour. And he did. He threw, like, you could see on the speed gun. He was, you know, it was classic, not quite casing the bat, but, like, the first pitch, like, Alabama completely whipped on. I mean, the pace place was just buzzing. This was the bases loaded situation with their best fucking hitter uh, and their whole, like, season on the line. This is, like, you know, roughly eighth inning, I feel like, at least late in the game. And uh, second pitch, he fouls straight back. And they're all just straight fastballs. He just throw nothing but gas. And the third pitch, he just absolutely destroys and just sends it into, into the uh, uh, over the, you know, Jacob's ladder <laughs> into, the, yeah. into the bleachers. Oh, my God. Just, just insanity. I'm hugging the, the fucking hot dog man, hugging total strangers. Everyone's going nuts and freaking out. And it's like, yes, now our comeback comes. And, of course, it didn't end up happening. But – but that, like, just moment of deliriousness was probably one of my favorite moments. Um, but, I, you know, but there's, there's some other big ones. What, what are some of your other, like, favorite moments that kind of pop out to you? Um, I loved I, – it was a game I watched with you and uh, our friend mm. Brent in New York in the, in the 2007 run. Uh, the Midges. The Midges game <laughs> uh, was awesome. That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's up there. Fausto looked great. I remember he had a K of Derek Jeter where he just made Jeter look like an absolute fool. Yep. That was oh, that was great. tremendous amounts of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember. You know, something I was thinking about with those teams is I never felt like we had a, a rival, like a, a singular rival. Yeah. I don't know if you that's felt because the, cause the, the, the Yankees never really were it. And they sort of got ascendant as we were at the tail end of it, even though it was only a couple of years. It felt in like 94, it felt like it was going to be the White Sox, those Frank Thomas yeah. White Sox. 
and we were going to battle fell, for the top. Fell, yeah, they, they fell, fell, away. fell off. Yeah. It's we lost to the yeah, Orioles. Yeah. We lost to the Red Sox a couple times, but beat, beat like even the beat Yankees. We sort of held our own against. Yeah. Um, and even the one year when they were so dominant, '98, we took them to six games in the ALCS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. That was a weird. Just thinking about it, that was a little weird. That it never, never really materialized like that, where we just had the big rival. And I guess yeah. the Orioles maybe could have been because they beat us in '96, and then we came back and had that crazy ALCS against. Oh, that's great. How about? I was the, just about uh, to say, Marquise Grissom. Yep. Hit that, that home run. And, was it game one or game two? I can't remember. But that was huge. Like yep. we had no business winning that game, and out of nowhere, Marquise Grissom hit a home run to like save the game. That was crazy. Um, so yeah, that you know, that, I mean, '97 was a crazy, crazy, crazy fucking year. The snow game, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's just just too many things to count. And, and I don't know. I'm excited about this team, Maddie. I'm excited about the team because they have solid pitching. They have, I mean, really good pitching. Some of the best pitching we've ever had. Um, Starting pitching, at least the bullpen is solid, and we have a lot of potential on offense, right? I think there's a Still tremendous amount of potential, year. and something you you skipped over, and that's part of how we were raised. Is I think our defense is actually pretty good. Uh, what happened in, yeah, in exactly. Chicago, notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about we have, that. I think we have a really solid defense. As 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 more and more you think about pitching, is run prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our defense is going to be a solid part of, of what we have this year, and there's a lot of potential on offense and an extremely flexible club with a manager who ha- – I said this in our last time we talked about this, but a manager who has the wherewithal to use that appropriately, which I think is a big deal. Exactly. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, but you know, So you, you walked us through the roster last time, uh, but I, I didn't feel right. It just felt like you were talking about a bunch of guys and what they can do. And I feel like the way I connect with my tribe teams is I compare them to the characters in Major League. <laughs> <laughs> because what, what was so great about the 1990s is that we could do a walk through the roster and find guys that felt like every single character in the Major League cast. Almost, you know. I mean, Kenny Lofton and Willie Mays Hayes, obviously. Yep. I feel like wild, wild thing you could argue was uh, uh, Paul Shuey, right, with that weird mustache and the fastball. Uh, uh, Jake Taylor, Sandy Alomar, you know, because but you know, sort of. I mean, Sandy Alomar was, was not wasn't that old at that point, but but he was always hurt. In '97, it sort of felt that way. Yeah, yeah, he was always hurt, bad knees. Yeah, it had that flavor to it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Eddie Harris kind of reminds you, like who's that guy '94 that we had? Jack Jack Morris, right? Yeah, Jack Morris was around, and I mean, in a he was it was super weird. He was leaving the team between starts to go to his ranch in Montana. He was he was not fully invested in the club. No, <laughs> but but a key part of that staff. <laughs> We've had other better versions of that uh, later, I think. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Paul Big Paul time. Bird. Uh, wait, yeah, Paul Bird. Paul Bird is for sure that guy. Oh my god. Eddie Harris, Vagisil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Do you feel like if we've I, had a good? Go ahead. You, you feel, feel like a little we... jalapeno up the nose and just wipe <laughs> my nose. Uh, uh, no, what were you saying? 
Uh, Roger Dorn. I don't know that we've had a great version of him. That's, uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, no, nothing's happening. He's sort of hard to define because so much of what defines oh. him is this off-field stuff. He was a crappy fielding third baseman who's a little scared of the ball but a decent hitter. It's hard to comp that in the actual baseball now. Yeah. Chis- Chisholm Hall's kind of young for it, but he has the look down. He's an outfielder now. I don't know. It's true, but he Never really had a good Dorn, because I guess yeah. most baseball teams don't tend to have a Dorn. No guys, <laughs> shitheads who can't really play the position, their position so well. That doesn't like. Did we, anybody ever think about the fact? Like, how, how did he get rich? Like, he's always like he's, he comes to you know camp with his golf clubs and his his ridiculous argyle sweat. Oh yeah, he's always like, looking at you know stock stock reports. And he's got this like this this important contract. He doesn't, he doesn't have to do calisthenics. He doesn't feel necessary. Like, how did he earn a contract like that? Who, who gives a contract to? Like, what, what was his career like before this? I, I, well, you know, major I league veteran, Patty. Even in the '80s, you were making good money. I, I guess so. I guess so. So the weird thing about uh, major so Maddie, league it, is that there's what what can we name? Three position players and two pitchers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Two pitchers, the catcher. Oh, four position uh, players. Yeah, uh, shortstop. What's the what's the fourth? Oh, uh, yeah, William Hayes. Hayes. Right, that's it. That's it. That's right. It. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Uh, well, I, I guess it makes sense. Like, what? Who else would you rather it be? You, you have got two pitchers. You got four position players. You have the manager, right? I don't know. You could give one note beats to some other players on the team. Mm. The shortstop's just that sort of anonymous-looking white dude. Oh, right, Roger Dorn's the third baseman. Dorn's the third baseman. The shortstop's right. just like a light-hitting '80s shortstop. I'm not sure. I, I sort of feel like Roger Dorn was the shortstop for some reason. No, he's a third yeah, baseman for sure. He All comes right. over from third base when. Yes, when, yes, uh, yes, yes. And doesn't strike his motherfucker out. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. That makes sense now. Um, yeah, that is, that is no. and also the, I don't know if you've ever done this exercise, but the batting order makes absolutely no sense. I haven't actually, what's, what is the batting order? I just think about it in the, in the, in the moment at the end, uh, Hayes right, gets right. on. And then Jake Taylor comes up to the slowest guy on the team to follow right. the fastest guy on the team. It just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. Hey, Lou Brown doesn't, doesn't, uh, manage by the books, man. Mm-hmm. He manages from the fucking heart. I suppose that's you true, and you wouldn't understand. Batting order has been roundly disproved to really make any difference. In this is true. This is true. See, he was ahead of he was ahead of his time. He run scoring. That's right. He uh, <laughs> he played for the Moneyball playbook before Moneyball was even written. So, uh, Patty, I don't know how well it comps to this year's team. Do you feel I like there's good say. comps? No. Can you think of anyone that fits any player? So there is there is not a there is not a Harris. No. They're all, all young. All our pitchers are young, and and for the most part, pretty. They're strikeout pitchers, right? Like that's something we're known for. Is we have a strikeout staff. Right. We we don't have. I mean, I mean, major league didn't have a a a pitching death robot in Corey no. Cooper. Uh, we know, don't. Hispanics were, were were largely absent, except for Pedro Serrano, <laughs> major league. Yeah, um, I mean, what would Pedro comp to? 
Santana. But that's, I, guess I mean, so, that's yeah. just like the just racist version of the racist. Parasans. Yeah. They're exactly. dark skinned, they're dark -skinned like, Latinos. And so there's, because their games aren't really the same at all. I mean, if we're being honest, Pedro Serrano is a pretty racist character. So. <laughs> That doesn't mean we need to reinforce it. <laughs> doesn't doesn't it make it less bad? I don't know. We're we're, we're taking a racist character and trying to say who 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 is he like on the team? <laughs> well, let let's make a similar uh, yeah. similar stereotype. No, uh, <laughs> I mean it's a funny part of it. It tells you how much baseball's changed. It. I mean it's twenty five years. Oh yeah, right? Completely. So, right. We don't have a cliched you know baseball team anymore. You don't, you don't have that, that quintessential leadoff guy. You don't have the quintessential battered lead catcher. Uh, you don't have the um, – Latino players are not exotic I, at all. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Uh, you know, and our fireballers are, like, really even-tempered. I, I guess if we still – if you know, I guess you maybe could say uh, – uh, what's, what's the kid's name? I'm blanking on his name again. Um, he's in the he's bullpen now. Um, Bauer, Trevor Bauer. Bauer, Trevor Bauer, maybe kind of like Wild Thing because he's fucking nuts. I mean, he's a little crazy like Wild Thing, but he's not a so he's not a but, criminal. Well, well, he should be. <laughs> John Rocker was the good Wild Thing. Yeah, yeah. That was a weird anti-nostalgia thing for me when we got him. Ooh, that was horrible. Remember, people were sort of excited yeah, about it. Scream after every pitch. Ooh, I and I, you can judge someone, but well, and I did judge people. Like, just don't be excited about that. He just he screams after he pitches. It's a fucking racist. Just ugh, yeah, asshole. Did not want that guy. I didn't care for him at all. Mm -mm. Not at all. Um, so I don't. I don't think. I don't think the the major league comp works so well for this team. Sadly. Brutal, brutal. What, what about Major League Two? <laughs> we don't have a Japanese uh, stereotype on the team. Nope. We don't have a no, no, catcher stereotype. Nope. Mm. Our catchers mm. are very good. Yeah, yeah, man. We don't have a Francisco Lindor type. It's, it's, Maddie, it's its own team. It's its own team. And that's something to be excited about, too, Patty. Yeah, no, I am. Um, well, so what did you make of opening week? Uh, you know, we had a disappointing first game where I felt like Kluber, you know, as you pointed out, he, he looked good in, in uh, spring training, but he looked a lot like he did um, end of last year where he was a little bit hurt and just surprised yeah, me. Yeah, you know? honestly, I'm just not looking to – they shouldn't be playing. The, I wish they would not open the season there. I was thinking about mm -hmm. it the other day. They could open – the entire season in domes, California, Texas, Florida, Atlanta, like the, the closest thing to a cold weather city would be Kansas city or St. Louis and open like right. that. It's just not great baseball at that time of year. I mean, the, 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 in the, addition the, to just losing two games that we're going to have to make up at some point later in the year. It's brutal. I, I, the, 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 even, I mean, who really wants there to be opening day on the first day of the year in Cleveland? No, It's bad for them, right? Like you don't yeah. get great attendance for that opening series. If you wait a couple weeks, I mean, the weather could still be bad. Granted, I, I get how spring in Cleveland is, but yeah. give us a little bit of a chance, right? Yeah, give, it, exactly. give it another Next week. week. Yeah. Uh, I, like start, I mean, I've always liked starting the season on the road. Because you get the excitement of the of the season starting, and then you then you get your opening day. Yeah. Like you know, like I prefer. I've always preferred it that way. I hate when the season starts out at home. It's the thing for me. I don't know. But, I think it's um, bad. So I, I'm I'm not giving 
I'm willing to give Kluber and Carrasco, who was a little off the next day, too. Well, Carrasco um, was great until he gave up those two home runs. Yeah. He had, these, he had these little moments where he just lost it, but he was like, he was otherwise was dominant until that, right? And I really liked uh, Salazar's performance. I, th- I mean, Anderson went toe to toe with Chris Sale. Yeah. Um, so I feel good. You know, the our fielding let us down a little bit. I mentioned that earlier. I think our twice. Th- I don't think that's something we have to worry about long term. Um, right. This is going right. to be a good a good fielding club. Um, and most encouraging yeah. to me, we hit we've hit four games. We've hit four home runs. Yeah, they've been hitting the ball really well. As I see uh, um, uh, Carlos Santana uh, hitting the ball really well. Ooh, a traditionally very slow starter, too. Um, yeah, And exactly. for the most part, his looks. start out in a good one. He's looked really good. Lindor has been everything promised. Jose Ramirez, man, I, I also th- had a really nice spring. Yeah. That's when, when I talked about versatility earlier. He's one of the primary examples of that. That he can play left field. I, you know, he made that really nice catch to to end the the second game of the season, the Red Sox game. Uh, I say really nice catch because he made the catch and mm-hmm. it was a little acrobatic. He didn't know it looked like he knew exactly how to play that ball. I wouldn't say that was textbook defense, but he'll <laughs> hold his own out there, can play all the positions yeah. on the infield, yep. um, just allows Francona to do a lot. And we've got two-thirds of our starting outfields on mm-hmm. the on the DL right now. Um. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I love. That's right. Game, that's man. right. We're leaving out Michael Brantley. Our best. I'm excited about it. I'm really Brantley really and Hall will come back at some um, point. Mm-hmm. There's good. There's there's depth. There's versatility. We've got a yeah. lot of good young players coming up. Our farm system's getting a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun year. Yeah, someone had mentioned, I feel well on Twitter, uh, uh, you know, how, how they looked at all the names of guys that were going to be in, in, in Columbus. I mean, like, I'd be happy seeing, like, four of these guys come up in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I, I, you know, I have to agree. Like, it's, it, you know, I can't remember all the names off the top of my head, but when, when they put the names pop up, I'm like, oh, yeah, we have that guy, too? Shit. Like, we have It'll a be- lot of guys that if anyone falls, I mean, we got these guys to step up. No, that's and that's what I like about Uribe and and Bird even and and to a lesser degree Napoli. I think Napoli's going to have a nice year for us, but for all of them, mm-hmm. super low risk one year signings. And if they stink in the middle of the year, you can cut them, and we've got guys to come in and and right, exactly. replace that. We have some organizational depth that can that can bear through, and hopefully, you you know, one of those lottery tickets pays off. Exactly, um, exactly. But and it's a fun awesome. team, man. Fun team. Yeah. Jan Gomes is real fun. Our bat, oh, you know, we so might have good. the best. They're, they did this, uh, ESPN did this last year, and I think said we we had the best backup catcher in the league. I think we still do. Roberto Perez is really good. Excellent defensively. Oh, yeah. He's got a little bit him. of thump in his bat, a little bit of thump. In- mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, man. It, it, what I love about the fact that we have these old guys um, starting this year is that we get the benefit of what if they have a great bounce back year and they crush and they're awesome and we ride that wave. Um, and if they don't, buy mental time for the young guys because mm-hmm. it's a long season. Those guys tend to burn out at the end of the year if they've been playing in the majors the whole year. It's a huge step up. So to have them come in the middle of the year just means they're going to be mentally fresher when it actually matters if we happen to make a playoff run. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like um, it. I like how the roster is constructed. I like, 
I think there's good synergy in this organization between uh, the front office and the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. The Indians, I think, are a pretty well-run organization right now. I know they catch a lot of shit because they don't spend a ton of money. Um, but also, fans don't go to the game, so it's sort of a catch-22 there. Um, yeah, yeah. I still get mad at fans because it's, it's, it's a great experience to fucking go to the games. Like, let's go. I like yeah. the looks of what they've done to the stadium, too, by the way. I haven't been paying that close attention. What, what have they done? You should, I mean, they converted a lot of the right field upper deck into, like, party bar space. Um, oh, they, cool. They, cl- they Like, the section. The next time you watch a game, watch the outfield in sort of center right. They've done a bunch of different stuff with. and um, They've taken away. So the, I can't remember what the capacity of the stadium now is, but they took seats out. I think they sort of recognized that they weren't going to fill it like they did in the nineties. Mm. So there's a little less and then there's just more for the more fan experience stuff, which I actually haven't experienced. I haven't been to a game since they've done it, but I think it's smart. And the, the feedback I've seen from fans has been really positive about it. So there's like yeah, restaurants in the stadium, bars in the stadium, mm-hmm. other places to watch the game, just sort of a recognition that um, people's patience and bandwidth for a three hour baseball yeah. game is, is in, for the general public is less than it was. And I think meets that in a way that's nice. And that's, I think it's still a beautiful stadium for when the team is good enough to support people just coming and watching a game for a while. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I'm excited. I think I'm going to get a chance to go uh, to a game when I visit home in July. So that'll be fun. Um, so Maddie, uh, yeah, what are the chances uh, uh, we have a, a happy ending to this season? Uh, is that, uh, are you asking me, is a happy ending winning the World Series or just having a nice year that's competitive in September, where games matter in September? Um, I, I say a happy ending is an outcome that justifies a miss. Oh, you did it to me, didn't you? <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, I did. Well, as we said before, that's... Memories <laughs> I reveal to you that in the, if the <laughs> Cleveland team ever wins the championship, and I, I, after I do all the celebrating I'm doing and I have, finally have a quiet moment of reflection, I'm just going to put that song on and weep by myself. <laughs> so will just we get that? <laughs> yeah, that means just quietly weeping to myself, not, not knowing what to do with myself. Uh, I, the, the odds of winning the World Series are, I, I don't know, you know, less than 5%, right? But that's, that's yep. almost true of anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's baseball's a crapshoot. Uh, the odds of us making the playoffs? I don't know. The 30, 33%, 1 in 3 maybe, I think. Which I'll is not you, so bad. These days, all I want is the Tribe to be competitive and to stay, to stay in it. So I have yep. a reason to watch the end of the season. That's, what, I, that's what I want. And I think relevant September baseball is a much higher percentage than that. Yeah, exactly. And, and 70, 75% chance of, of us playing relevant baseball then, which is, I think is good. And that yeah, might even that, be selling us a little short. So that, that's what's been so great about the, the Terry Francona tribe, right? Has been pretty much every single year he's been managing for us, we have basically been in it. For yeah. September. We've, we, we've had relevant September baseball every single year. And the wild card is, um, has a part to play in that, the extra wild card helps. team. But yes, still. it does. It does. But it's been nice. And so uh, kudos to the extra wild card. 
Yeah. I think that's a great <laughs> format and a great, a great uh, change. Because it, 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 it also takes away from the wild card team that makes it in. Like, you know. What makes winning the division more important? Yeah, exactly. Win the division, you don't have to deal with that game. You don't have yeah. to deal with that chance. Totally agree. All right. So we have some depression news to get to. Oh, geez. Let's do this quickly and then get it over with. I don't yeah. I don't want to sully nice nice baseball nostalgia with our shitty football team. Yeah, I I, bear, I, I only heard about this because I saw the, the text from your brother. Uh, so you tell me what happened. He got he, he got he tested for and he tested positive for pot again. For weed again. That is that is what's going around. I think I think there's maybe a little bit of it's not official official yet, but it seems pretty clear. Um, and if he did, I think that means his, he's done for 16-2. The league I won't mean, reinstate him, which might go to explain why they, haven't, why they haven't uh, addressed it. Right, and why they haven't been his reinstatement. Like, like I, he should have been reinstated by this point if that's where it was going, so I wonder if this is what was the holdup. Yeah. But just, I mean, uh, that on top of him, like, is Johnny Manziel living with him? Is he living with Johnny Manziel? What There's the all hell sorts of weird on? stuff. Banzel was saying that he was living with Von Miller. Von Miller is saying, no, nah, he's not living with me. I have hung out with him a couple times. They both went to A&M. So Von Miller is like a supporter of him. But there's also, he was out, like, did you see that thing where TMZ caught him out in, in West Hollywood and he sort of commandeered the camera and talked to it and then was like, NFL doesn't care about partying. I've been out for the last five nights partying. I don't think that's a big deal. You just got to know when to say when. And I was like, oh, my God, this kid. Yeah, yeah. He says, like, he's been out five, six, you know, he, he tends to party five, six nights a week. And that's not a big deal. And honestly, I have to say, I don't disagree with him in the proper context, right? If you're a right. successful I, I'm I'm still a, a, a of the opinion that I want my quarterback to be out and partying and having a good time and and taking advantage of that position. I don't have a problem with any of that, especially in the off season. Yep. But clearly, Manziel is playing with some some different rules than that. He's demonstrated that he can't handle it. That stuff with the restraining order and his ex girlfriend is still hanging over him. Uh, he has a, a code of conduct that is different than. The, the Tom Brady's and Leonardo DiCaprio's of the world who can get away with doing that because they take care of their business. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, he clearly does not. And this is just like, I, I was rooting hard for Josh Gordon. I wanted him back. You know, I'm pretty lenient on, uh, on drug use generally, performance enhancing or otherwise. I'm, I'm willing to let that stuff go and welcome guys back. But enough's enough at some point, And I think we've reached that point sadly yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's brutal because he was so goddamn good unbelievably um, good that year oh my god flash gordon <sighs> you know and it's like it's it's bullshit it shouldn't fucking matter he should be able to smoke pot it should not be an issue whatsoever except you know he's also gotten duis he's also gotten substance abuse issues like 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 legitimate Substance abuse issues, not just like oh he smokes pot and that's not okay. Right. Uh, and the fact that he can't stop is you know it, it it's bullshit. But the fact that he can't is is, is right and indicative of larger a, problems, a right? Like there's other stuff he's not going to be able yes, to do. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's oh, how most man. people are, right? Just, like I wouldn't want like, you to stop drinking, Patty. But if you had the opportunity of a lifetime mm-hmm. to do something, and they were like, you can do this, but you have to stop drinking, you'd be like, okay. All right, I'll, I'll stop doing it. <laughs> right. I was able to That's do it. I understand. I understand. 
And Grink, as as friends of the podcast know, <laughs> as the podcast wears on, uh, typically my speech deteriorates. Um, <laughs> it's. I mean, I am, uh, you know, incredibly pessimistic about the Browns until proven otherwise. I think that's the appropriate stance for it's the it's the only all Browns fans to take. It's the only stance you can do and survive and, and not want to kill yourself. Not not literally, but. But you know, it's just it's just it's impossible to not be incredibly depressed watching the Browns unless, yeah. you, unless you expect them to be terrible. Now they, the, don't, they don't care as much. The interesting thing here now is I think there's a little more chatter about them trading off of that number two pick. Really, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, I mean it's just chatter. So who who knows? And they what, they what should you, ex, they should explore it anyway. That's their responsibility. Sure, sure. sure. What are you hearing? Um, nothing, no more detail than that, other than they need, they have so many needs. It's not like they're in a position where there's one player they're going to get at number two, that's going to start to make a difference. And if you're not a hundred percent confident in one of the quarterbacks that you could take there, Mm -hmm. trade back, depending on what you can get, trade back off of that, collect some more assets, get, they're going to get a player they need at number five or six or seven or 12 or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, and start to fill some other needs. Yeah, and then you and that you just signed RG. You know, we went through the RG three stuff last time, but you you signed him. You're not going to start a guy there. So unless you're you think Goff or Wentz is is the next coming, then it makes it makes some sense to trade back and collect more assets and add. Right, we need help everywhere. We need a pass rusher. We need offensive line help. We need three wide receivers. So. Um, so- to give to give Stiggy his due, it sounds like you're buying into the Stiggy argument here. Except that you hate RG three. <laughs> yeah, except I'm I'm except I'm extreme like extremely pessimistic that he'll have a career in the NFL anymore. Uh, but in general, I don't have a problem trading back there, especially if you're a team in the Browns position where there's just a dearth of talent everywhere, mm-hmm. and there's not a consensus. You know, I don't feel like anybody feels like these guys are luck or Peyton Manning or whatever, as much as that. Ex- and, you know, I know those, those aren't perfect and there's questions about everybody, but it seems like in, in this case, more reasons to be unsure that they are gr- going to be great quarterbacks. Yeah. I just feel like, especially because you know, you're going to put them in and dump them into the shit show that is the Browns for this year, next year, the year after, right? Like I'd rather build up yeah. the rest of the team and, but if you if you can get your quarterback and get him now and not let hopefully don't have to have him play because you have a bunch of you know warm bodies that can get crushed instead, uh, uh, I I just think you can't pass up a chance to get a good quarterback even if he doesn't work out. It's just sure. So I yes, guess that's it, the thing. If they're super confident that one of those guys is the fix, then do it. Um, but I think good the chance. fact that they signed RG three already means that they are not sure about that. Maybe, maybe, but even if they aren't, you know, one hundred percent sure, but they have it's a good chance. Like, yeah, t- t- fucking gamble on that chance. Gambling and winning up a quarterback means fucking everything in football. So just keep gambling till we goddamn get it right. Uh, we've we've built decent, you know, teams and just not had good quarterback play. We had some decent rosters like uh, 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 in the last four or five years, except the quarterbacks have been fucking horrible. Uh, you know, the, the teams haven't been great, but they haven't been like the tire fires of of, of your. Um, 
you know, or or this coming season. I don't know. The defense has always been pretty bad. No, that's true. The running but, game you know, has sucked. That Outside of the Gordon a... season, the wide receivers have been not great. You know, it's, mm. we've had mediocre to piss poor talent. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Thomas is going to get traded too, by the way. I just feel like he should for his own good. I just feel bad for, for his him. sanity. It's the yeah, right. It's either. the right thing to do for the Browns strategically. You're just going to waste mm. him. By the time we're good, he'll be. He won't be nearly as good as he used to be. No. In three years, you're just yeah. wasting him. I. I mean, I think you got to get the right pick for him. I think you need Price. a first rounder, but easily guaranteed you have to get a first rounder. There's no point in trading him for anything less. Um, but if if you can get that, I think you got to do it. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. But oh, this team is going to be so bad. Maddie, how did, why did we structure? Why did we structure the podcast this way? I don't know. It was it, dumb of us. We were excited yeah. to talk tribe. Yeah, and then and then we decided to actually talk about the Browns because the Josh Gordon should happen. But the Browns why? go late every time because we don't want to talk about them, and we push it off to the end, and we'll let somebody else worry about it. All right, listeners, you know, well, uh, listener, I, I, I don't know how many we have. Uh, I, I mean, should we just skip the Browns for a while? Just stop talking about them. We're, we'll we'll have to talk there. about the draft, but I'm fine not talking about anything until the draft. Right. Well, we'll, 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 we'll wait for the draft to come around. Should we just otherwise ignore them? I, I sort of, except, for the, except for the draft. We have to, and then just let it go until until season starts. Done. Draft and then nothing yep. until yep. training camp. Yep. Otherwise, it's just Cavs and Tribe. Done. Speaking of Cavs, speaking of Cavs, Maddie. Patty, a little good news tonight. Yeah. Cavs has secured the first seed. Shocker! You guys might, uh, might might blow two games in a row. I'm t- I, I'm ready for anything with this team. We'll talk about it in our playoff preview. Absolutely later. will. That's I have that, no hand. That's why I wanted to plug. That's why I wanted to plug. We we guys we're going to do a quick turnaround. Uh, playoffs start Saturday. Maybe not for the Cavs. We don't know yet the exact schedule. Yeah, I just saw that. Uh, I read from Jason Lloyd. I think that there's a uh, a gladiator. That's still the the arena team in Cleveland, right? The Gladiators. There's a mm-hmm. there are Gladiators game scheduled for Saturday. So. Cavs might play Sunday. Sunday. Okay. So uh, before that Sunday game, we will roll out uh, our Cavs playoff preview. Pistons or Pacers? Mm, Fuck, man. That is not a good first-round matchup. I think it's going to be the the Pistons. The Pacers have two cake games. I think they play like the Knicks and the Nets or the Knicks and the Sixers. They're two really bad teams. Mm -hmm. Um, And people want to avoid us. The Pistons play us in the last game, and we're going to be sitting everybody. So they should get that. But they play mm-hmm. the Heat, um, I think, tomorrow night. Huh. And uh, the Heat are playing for position. They're playing for position. Um, so I, I, have a, I have a feeling we're getting the, the Pistons in the first round. That's my Yeesh. prediction right now. That is not what I wanted to have happen. I don't know. I didn't want the Pacers either. No, not them. The funny thing about the East is that while they don't have any, like, you know, juggernauts like uh, uh, besides us. Uh, I don't even, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, you can't call us that anymore. No, I can't do that. We, the East does not have any juggernauts like Golden State and San Antonio. I think Golden State's now playing for thirty seventy three. Right? Is that game started yet? Or is it tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Um. It, it, you know, the East doesn't have any teams like that. 
but the East, I, there aren't a lot of teams in the East that I'm that I'm not like a little concerned about. Yeah, uh, I gotta say, at this point, I don't know that I'm concerned about the Hawks. I was just gonna say, I mean, I, we swept the whole season with them. The Hawks, who are higher up, I, I'm I'm happy to face them. Um, the the Raptors are a little concerning, but you know, the Heat not, scare me the most. The Heat scare me the most. The Heat scare me the most. Uh, Boston, I know we can beat, but like I'm, I'm a little worried about them. In a, you know, in a in a, in a series, just because they'll they'll try to injure us. Yeah, that's uh, part of me wanted them to wants them to end up as the four or five seed, so they take one of them takes care of the other for us. Mm, but then you guarantee we're playing one of them. That's true. I I I really 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 wanted Boston to get the third seed and the Heat to fall into the sixth seed somehow. Uh, it was it was a possibility for a while. Yeah, I think that's uh, done I like though. Two now, weeks right? ago, if the season, if the season ended, that, that would have happened. Yeah, we're, we're the Heat fucked. could um, the Heat can still up get up to bar- three. I think if the Heat went out, oh, yeah? they get the third seed. I think so. With it, with I would it, like with, it, with Atlanta losing tonight, I think that did it. That was like did one of the tiebreakers. So I think if the Heat went Ooh. out, they get the three seed. Interesting. Well, that would be nice to be able to avoid the Heat until potentially the conference finals if we have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, although I'd be really scared if they make it the conference finals, that means they're playing really well, and we're, yeah. we might, we're probably fucked. <laughs> yeah. This postseason's going to kill us, so, buddy. It's well, just that's why you have to go into it. As, well, this will be the theme of the of, of the preview. You have to go into it with an expectation of absolute failure. <laughs> that's it's the only way to survive, buddy. What an uplifting way. podcast we run. <laughs> Hey, it's it's also a therapy session, Maddie. That's right. Uh, this is how you survive. This is how you survive Cleveland sports is by expecting the worst. <laughs> All right. Well, let's save the rest. All for, right. Uh, for the, for the likewise. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that does it for the Cleveland sports out tribe uh, uh, opening week special. Uh, until next time, this is Maddie and Patty saying. Fur- Shit. Mm. All right. All right. Oh. What do you what got into you, Maddie? Oh. <laughs> I think it's the audio. <laughs>